What's up, Lamb Fam? Welcome to the Life After Miscarriage podcast, where we unapologetically chat what life is actually like after miscarriage. I'm Shelly Metling, and I've been sharing my infertility journey openly on YouTube for about a year now. With four losses ourselves and one rainbow baby on the way, I wanted a platform for you babes to share your stories. So girl, sit back, get ready to relate, laugh, and cry, because we are about to get real on the ins and outs of pregnancy loss in the 21st century. Hello, everyone. We have Amanda Yarbrough on the call today. I'm so excited. She, guys, her story is going to bring some hope to all the listeners today, so I'm really pumped about it. And Amanda, I'm just going to throw it at you and just start wherever you want to with your story. All right. Thanks, Shelly. So my story... It's actually kind of a long journey story, um, kind of starting from the beginning here. Um, I wasn't able to get um, pregnant on my own. Um, we started back in 2013 when we got married um, to try to start a family. My husband actually had a 16-year-old son already, um, so we never thought in a million years that we would have um, any problems getting pregnant. Um, So we tried for two years on our own, um, doing everything everybody's recommended as far as um, testing and um, timing and everything else, and it just wasn't happening. Um, So we decided to seek out some fertility treatment. Um, We started with um, IUI, which is the intrauterine insemination but before we could do that, we had found out um, through ultrasound that I kept having fluid in my um, in my pelvic area, and so they did some exploratory surgery and found out I had stage four endometriosis um, with severe adhesions. My bowels were adhered to my uterus, my um, ovaries were adhered, so I had a very long surgery to have that removed, and took um, a good month or so for recovery for that. Did you um, feel? So- did you feel any of that? Like, bef- like, did you have any idea that you had endometriosis? Um, I had symptoms of it. I um, did speak with my OB multiple times um, about it, and especially with the time of my period, I would have a lot of bowel movement pain, um, a lot of pain when I didn't have my period. Um, it felt like a lot of inflammation in there, and she just told me as I was aging um, that... <laughs> Your, your periods get more painful is what she had told me and so I didn't think anything of it because here you know, I was in my mid-30s already almost you know like 32 years old trying to have a baby um so I just you know thought okay and I just have some more painful periods um and so when he had told me that I had stage four which is the worst stage that you can have um I knew at that point that all those you know, feelings that I have for the last two or three years prior to that was due to that, and I had a lot of relief after that surgery, which was nice. Oh, good. Okay. Yeah. So we we decided to go forward with the IUI, um, and our first cycle failed, and my body just likes to create cysts, um, so we had to take time off between those cycles, and so we ended up doing a second one, um, and that one failed as well. So being that I was older already, um, Having this endometriosis removed, we weren't really sure where to go, and so we actually um, consulted with a doctor for IVF, which is the in vitro fertilization. Um, we actually did ours out in New York, um, and 
he did some more testing. We had found out I actually have a low egg reserve, so I don't have many eggs to work with, um, as well as the seam, the quality of them weren't great. So we decided to go through a cycle with that. Um, so we did all the medications. We went to New York. We had my first egg retrieval. Um, we ended up with five embryos um, come day five. So we did what's called a fresh transfer. So right after the retrieval, five days later, we transferred our first embryo. Um, and that one did not take. So even though that baby didn't take, it still felt like a loss to me. I mean, that For was sure. a baby to me. Um, so that was really, really hard to know that our first cycle on that did not work. Um, and, you know, to me, it was like a, a loss um, of life even at that point. So that was really rough. Um, so we made the decision at that point the next month to do what's called a frozen transfer. Um, and so they thawed out two of my embryos, and we transferred both of those um, right back into me. And with that transfer, that one actually worked, and we actually found out that we were pregnant with that transfer. Um, when you do fertility treatments, you get a lot of ultrasounds, a lot of blood work. Um, so we had ultrasounds starting at five weeks. Um, so we knew right away that we were having twins. We had two sacs um, at five weeks. Um, same thing, we go almost weekly at the beginning. So six weeks, both were still there looking great, growing. Um, at about seven weeks, I ended up having a lot of bleeding, um, a lot of clots, a lot of large clots, um, just out of the, out of nowhere. So we did end up going to the emergency room, um, but with the ultrasounds, babies looked perfect. Both had heartbeats, both were measuring right on track. They had no idea where the bleeding was coming from, so they just considered a threatened miscarriage. Um, Two days later, I went to my OB's office, so I was still in my seventh week, and he did another ultrasound. Babies looked perfect, you know, measuring right on track. The bleeding had stopped. Both had um, great heartbeats, strong heartbeats. Everything looked perfect, so we went um, ahead, and he said, just go ahead and do a nine-week follow-up. Um, everything was going great. I had morning sickness, you know, and no inkling that anything was wrong. Um, at nine weeks and four days, I went in for my ultrasound. Um, and as soon as she started, I knew right away that something was off. Um, I do work in, um, and I work at a hospital. We um, were delivery postpartum and nursing in there. Um, so I'm very familiar with ultrasounds and I knew instantly when she went to do the color Doppler that something was off. And I instantly looked, because the babies looked like they should, they, they're grown, you know, and I instantly zoomed in and noticed I didn't see any fetal um, heart activity um, on one of the babies. So I instantly asked them, like, there's no heartbeat. And she said, um, I'm not seeing what I'm supposed to be seeing. And so that was on the first baby. Um, so we went to the second one. Second one, same thing, looked full, you know, like it should, like it had grown. Same thing, no heartbeat um, on that baby as well. So they were measuring nine, nine weeks and two days. So they think that they had passed two days prior to that ultrasound. Totally not expecting it at all during um, that ultrasound. So that was really rough. Um, you know, when you go through that much um, work to try to get these babies and you find out that you did conceive finally and then you lose them, um, it was just really rough. 
we kept mm-hmm. um, we were very open with our um, fertility treatment so um, a lot of people knew that not only we were pregnant we were pregnant with twins so then you know um, having to go back and tell everybody that we lost both of them was really hard um, you know having to go the next day to have a DNC um, because my body obviously at this point didn't know um, that they were gone and so they gave me the option to either I can do the DNC um, or just let my body take its course and I said I you know I I just felt like I didn't want to sit and have a waiting game to see when my body decided that it didn't you know that these babies were no longer alive and then having two of them I didn't know you know you always hear the stories of it, your body not being able to do it on its own and then having to have a DNC anyway so yeah. I didn't want to run that risk of um having complications I'd rather just go and and and, and make sure it was done correctly um I didn't want any damage because I did have other embryos I wanted to make sure that I already have a lot of um adhesions and stuff already in the uterus area I wanted to make sure everything was done correctly and cleaned out and not left in there um so the next day we did do the DNC and, and had them removed um they did look at them. As far as they could tell, everything looked fine. Um, we didn't do any testing, mainly because this was my first loss. Um, even though when you're dealing with infertility, they do suggest that um, you do have them tested, especially mm-hmm. for chromosomes um, abnormalities. But um, being my first loss, my insurance would not cover it. Um, so my OB at that point just recommended just, you know, more than likely it was chromosomal abnormalities. So... Basically, that's what he was going to chalk it up to. So we did not get them tested. Um, so that just, like, infuriates me, the whole insurance thing. Oh, it's, it's awful. Even with infertility, miscarriage, all of it, you know, it's, mm-hmm. yeah. it's, it's unreal. Yeah, we got, a couple, we got a couple letters from our insurance when we were going through, like, our testing and stuff, too. And I'm just like, it's almost just like, hit me when hit me when I'm down. You know what I mean? Like, that's what you're basically doing. Exactly. And, you know, if this, you know, if this is a high rate of, you know, you know, it's what, one in four will end in a miscarriage. You would think that we would want to get more information, more, find out what's going on. You know, what, you know, when you go through that, you kind of want to know why. Yeah, you know, and that's part of the hardest part is not knowing why. You don't know if your body is failing you. You don't know if it was chromosomes. You know, and then if you do get pregnant again, that makes it even harder if you don't know what's going on. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, we had two embryos left. Um, we took a good couple of months off. I, I did end up speaking with a therapist. I did, um, I guess, have almost like a depression. Um, I felt like, you know, my body kept failing. I, you know, I had this endometriosis. I, I failed to get pregnant naturally. I failed to keep these babies. Um, and so it, it really was, it really took it hard. And so I did speak with a therapist and um, was able to get some of those feelings out and have someone, you know, just to talk to that I didn't feel like was judging me um, and things like that. So that helped a lot. And so in a few months later, um, I felt like I was ready to go ahead and try again. Um, I felt like my body was ready. Um, so the next time we went back and I transferred two more, um, our last two embryos, um, and that one ended in what they considered a chemical pregnancy. So um, when they did my testing, my HCG level was pretty low. Um, 
at 10 days after it was only a nine. Um, so they feel like they tried to implant but um, was not able to continue to stay implanted or grow. So that was another loss for us there as well. Um, they don't consider it, they don't consider it a miscarriage, um, but to me they were still a loss. Um, I agree. I've had multiple chemical pregnancies and it's, it's just as heartbreaking. It's, it is. You it see is. that positive pregnancy test and you're like, mm -hmm. I'm pregnant. You know what I mean? Like I am pregnant. That is a baby. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. And you know, I mean, I, I had the faintest, faintest, faintest positive pregnancy test, and so I thought it would get, you know, better. But when you're in this, you know, predicament, you, I've, I do a lot of support groups online. Um, mm -hmm. And so I, I kind of knew what to expect when I saw, like, nothing was happening, nothing was changing, the line wasn't yeah. going anywhere. Um, so at least I had kind of a heads up kind of um, what's kind of was happening, and I wasn't blindsided by it. Mm -hmm. So I feel like. Those groups are so important to have because you get so much information, so much support. Um, you feel like you can ask questions and you know that someone's going to be able to answer that has probably gone through what you have gone through. So um, I got a lot of support um, from those groups. And so when they told me, you know, your HG level was 9, um, that it wasn't a sustainable pregnancy, um, I really didn't know what to do at that point. That was our last embryo. So... To me, in my mind, I thought that I would never be able to have a baby at that point. Um, we spent a lot of money to do the medications, do the cycles, do the transfers, travel to New York each time. Um, I just felt like we were done. Um, and at that point, my depression really got bad at that time, um, knowing that we had all these losses and we spent all this money and time and all the, you know, emotions that we put into it, and, and I had nothing at the end, nothing. Um, so, you know, decided to take a break. Um, I wasn't sure if we would try IUI again. We were looking into doing embryo adoption, where I would just implant somebody else's embryos inside me, because they don't believe that an issue was for me to carry. It's more so that we're having issues with um, my egg quality, um, which is leading to chromosomal abnormalities. Um, so I just really did get depressed, and I kind of had to figure out how to get out of that if I did want to move forward, because I didn't want to move forward and have that depression and then dealing with the stress of everything else. Um, so what I did is I ended up um, fostering a special needs dog. <laughs> um, he came in as soon as we found out about um, our chemical pregnancy, and um, he's a paraplegic dog. He um, it doesn't have um, use of his back legs, so he is incontinent, um, and he came up with a lot of sores, um, severe diaper rash, um, just needing a lot of love and care, and um, he looked broken, and I felt broken, um, so I needed something to kind of get me out of this funk and um, get me up, get me out of bed. You know, I had to get up and clean him. I had to get him up for a walk. I had to put his wheelchair on. He needed medications. He needed bandage changes. So I didn't have a choice to just lay in bed and kind of dwell on kind of what was happening. Um, so he really made a big difference in my life. Um, I found something that motivated me to... Um, like I said, get up, get going, kind of move on in a way, in a sense, to 
feel better about where I was at um, at that time. So once I kind of got all that depression, um, we talked it over and we decided that we were going to do it all over again. <laughs> and we made that choice and um, we added some more medications. I ended up doing three months of injections versus a week of injections. Um, so it was a lot more medications. Um, we added um, more injectable medications after we decided to do a transfer. So it was more money, um, you know, a longer cycle, lots of lots of injections, but I felt like um, I would do whatever I needed to do to have a baby. Um, so that next cycle we went back to New York. Um, we did a retrieval. This time we only got um, three embryos, um, but that was on day three. They thought that the embryos would probably do better maybe in utero versus outside of utero. So we did do another fresh transfer and we transferred two embryos at that time. Um, and then just like um, the other time, we got the positive pregnancy test. Um, and again, we went in for our five-week ultrasound and found out we were having twins again. Um, so that was very exciting, but also very nerve-wracking. Um, I ended up having a lot of anxiety with the ultrasounds I found. Um, not realizing that I would have that, but as soon as I get to the doctor's office, I felt like something was going to be wrong. Like you go on and you think every time you're excited, but you're so nervous to see what's going to be on that ultrasound. Um, but we did find that we were having twins again. Um, same kind of thing. Six weeks looked good. Seven weeks. Um, baby B was just a little bit smaller than um, baby A, but they kept telling me, you know, that sometimes that's how it happens. You know, one is smaller than the other. And then um, comes that nine-week appointment again. I was um, nine weeks in one day with that appointment, and we had found out that baby B no longer had a heartbeat. Um, with that one as well and he um, stopped growing a little bit after the seven week mark so after that last ultrasound he uh, or she stopped growing and then the heartbeat did stop um, so I wasn't expecting that either um, but baby A looked perfect um, measuring great strong heartbeat but in my mind I'm thinking I'm only nine weeks one day I lost the other twins measuring nine weeks and two days who did um, you see first at that ultrasound, A or B? Um, A. I just like I feel like that's got to be just like a really weird feeling. You know what I mean? Like almost mm -hmm. like like if you would have seen B first, met like I just I don't even know how you're you're strong. That's all I got to say. <laughs> well, when they when they first saw the it's a transvaginal um at that at that stage, so that you know once they go in, I can still you can see the two sacs. They're so small kind of at that point um, that they kind of have to start zooming in. So, it was, you know, when I first, I looked to make sure there's still two sacks um, when they would go in. And then they would always start with baby A first. Um, so, this baby A is, is always the one that's closest to your cervix. So, okay. so that's generally where they would kind of, kind of see first and start with, with that one. Okay. So, we would, we would always generally see baby A first um, and then go to baby B. Um but when she skimmed, when she skimmed right over to baby B, I knew instantly something was wrong because that baby didn't look any different from the, the seven weeks. Yeah, so I mean, I knew instantly that um, that that baby was no longer with us. Um, what were your emotions like? Like I've heard so many women who you know lose one of their twins, and I know like one of the worst comments 
I've heard them get is, well, at least you still have one baby. You know what I mean? And it's like, well, yeah, like I'm grateful for that. But like, yeah, like it's, it's still a loss. You know what I mean? Absolutely. It's still a loss. Um, I feared every time, I, you know, when you, when you lose one, when you're having a twin, it can affect the other one if the other one is healthy and growing. Um, I mean, I still had a long time to go for this baby to develop and with the, you know, with the history of losing the other ones at nine weeks, I didn't know what to expect at that 10 week appointment. But that's what everybody would tell me is, you know, well, hopefully, you know, you still got this one that this one will continue to go and, you know, you'll have your baby. You still have the one. I, you know, it's, it's heartbreaking because it's just because your baby's here, it cannot take away the pain that you felt. Um, yeah. losing it just it can't you just you know you can be as happy as you can be but that pain will still always be there and then you always wonder like you know what would it be like you know to have two or you know um and I with my pregnancy so she she did develop and she did continue and um each appointment was just I hold my breath I literally held my breath until I could start feeling her move with you know within me I mean, ultrasound, I mean, I just held my breath. I was so tense, just hoping and praying that she was still here with us. And she did. But then I would find myself towards the end of my pregnancy um, telling myself, oh, man, thank goodness it's just one baby and I don't have two because I had a really rough pregnancy um, with um, morning sickness. I developed a severe carpal tunnel on both hands. And I would find myself thinking, oh my gosh, imagine if I was pregnant with both of them still. And then just just hit me with just immense guilt um, to say that or think that, you know, um, you just, you just, you know, you are thankful that you do have the one, but you just, um, you know, just imagine having life with the two, and you know, that was, you know, her sibling and you start to wonder, you know, that that baby disappeared, but you know, they say, like, you know, part of them could become part of the other one, even though they were in a separate stack, and um, part of me wonders if that other baby is still, you know, part of her, and so that's how I like to think about it, is, you know, that baby is still part of her, so I still kind of have that baby with me. But it is very hard when people say, you know, at least you have one, but you know, I wish it was the two, you know, mm-hmm. I, I am grateful, but that, that hurt and loss will always be there. Mm-hmm. She, she should have another baby laying next to her, so, um, it is very hurtful when people do say that, you know, it's just like when you're trying to have a baby, they're always like, oh, we'll just go adopt, you know, it's like, well, you still have that feeling that you want your own, you know, so, and, and I know it comes from a good place with people, like, you mm-hmm. know, they haven't, they haven't been there, they haven't felt it, um, so I know it comes from a place of, of good, and it's just, you know, I find myself trying to, I, I'm polite about it, um, but educate them at the same time, you know, you yep. have to educate, you know, when it comes from a place of, of good, um, so that kind of stuff is is hurtful. And that's why I partly share our journey. I'm very open with ours. The only thing is, the last when we did transfer these um, two embryos, we did not tell people that we transferred. Um, we did tell them that I had a chemical imbalance and that we couldn't transfer at that time. Um, 
just like my parents and our very, very, very close friends knew because if it was to end in a miscarriage again of the two, having to go through and tell everybody again, I just, I just couldn't face that. Um, you know, with the last of my first twins, I would see someone a few weeks later and they're like, oh, how's the pregnancy going? And then, you know, when I'm at work and stuff and then just having to say, oh, unfortunately I lost both of them, you know, um, I didn't want to do that again. Um, I kind of wanted to enjoy it and process it myself if that was um, going to be the case. So we didn't actually um, announce until we were 14 weeks pregnant um, with her. And then as I shared my story with people that we did transfer, then it, it was up to me then at that point to decide if I wanted to share that we did lose a twin um, with her. Because I do a lot of education. Um, I do help run a support page for IVF trying to conceive um, page on Facebook. And so I do share a lot um, and I share my story. And what's amazing is when you start sharing, people share back. Mm -hmm. And... I that's I just love that like you would never know that these people are struggling and going through the same things that you are um, but they're scared to say it or they're not sure how to process what they're going through and so I feel like the more I shared with people um, the more there I was able to get them to share back um, and to me yeah. that's amazing is that that person then now knows that they're not alone um, that they have someone that they can talk to if something's going on or if they have questions and people are very receptive even if they're not going through any of this I'm learning and, and and knowing kind of what's going on so if they do know someone that's going through it they know how to respond or how to be there for them and I think that's what's very important with sharing stories is that not only are you helping the people that are going through it but you're helping others understand so if they know someone going through it they know how to support and help them as well exactly so yeah, it's very important to share your stories. You know, it's not a stigma anymore. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I I know a lot of people feel ashamed um, of of losing um, a baby and things like that. But you know, I had that as well, like a shame that my body was failing um, and things like that. But you you can't be. You know, it's it's um, nothing you can really do to prevent it. It's just. Um, you know, it's just kind of how it works and, and just make the best of it, you know. And mm -hmm. so I feel like losing these babies helped me, um, I feel like, really, really um, not take my pregnancy for granted. I really enjoyed every minute of it, even though I was miserable <laughs> a lot of it. Um, because to me, it was just the greatest opportunity to know that she was still growing and thriving. And now she's here with me today. Yeah. She was born. In, in March, and um, definitely, I feel like made me more prepared and stronger for motherhood. Um, I completely agree. I always say that I'm like, mom life is way easier than, you know, losing babies. That's for sure. Yes. Yes. Very much so. Yeah. Well, congrats. I'm so excited for you. <laughs> and if you, I always ask people this at the end of the podcast, if you have one piece of advice to give to somebody in a similar situation, what would it be? Um, my biggest advice is just to do what you need to do to heal, um, no matter what it is. Like for me, it was taking on um, a dog that needed me. I, need, I needed to feel needed. Um, 
So kind of finding what's going to help you go through that, no matter what it is. Um, don't let somebody talk you out of it, like my husband tried talking me out of getting this dog. Um, I just knew in my heart what I felt like I needed to do to um, cope with what I was dealing with. Um, so find that thing that's going to help you, um, because in the end, that's what's, you know, it's going to make you happy. It's going to... Um, get you through what you need to get through so that you can keep going because there's always hope um, and, and to share and to share find someone to share your story with find someone that you can talk to that um, understands what you're going through you need support um, and rather that's you know a friend of yours um, a Facebook a Facebook support group find support um, okay. it's, that's, you know that's what's really going to help you get through everything is is um, Having someone that you can talk to anytime when you're going through things, because those emotions they don't just shut off. You know, your mm -hmm. your family is sleeping in the middle of the night, but you are super upset. <laughs> Somebody's always on mine. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> that's what I found the most helpful is you know, everybody's sleeping in the middle of the night, but that's when it would hit me really hard. Um, so I had that support at all times. So definitely find a good support system and and find stuff that makes you happy and and um keeps you moving so that you can keep moving on and um, on and getting your rainbow baby. Yes. Um, will you send me the link to the support group that you help run so that I could put it in the description of the podcast? Yeah. Okay. We actually have a bunch of sister ones. We do have a miscarriage sister group with that one as well. Okay. Um, so we have a bunch of them. Um, so that, which is really nice because when you do go through that, you do have a higher risk of miscarriage. So we have a bunch of support groups. So it definitely will do that. Awesome. And then if somebody does want to reach out to you and share with you and just relate to you, where could they do so? Um, I don't know what's the best way to do that. Do you have do you have Instagram or are you just on Facebook or where are you? I am on Instagram not very often, but I'm mostly just on um, Facebook. Um, they could email me as well. Okay. Um, do you so, want to send me or I have your email. Yeah. Do you care if I put that in the description? Absolutely. Go ahead. Okay. Perfect. All right. Well, thank you so much for sharing your story. You have a very powerful and purposeful journey and it's going to help so many people. So I just want to thank you. Oh yeah. Thank you so much for having me. I love sharing stories. So <laughs> you bet. You bet. It's healing, isn't it? It is. It is. It, it helps you. It helps you process, process. everything. And, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yep. yep, and I always say it just helps you kind of, like, have purpose behind it, and I think that that's huge, so. Exactly, yep. Thank you so much, Amanda. All right, thank you so much. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure you share it with a friend who could find it useful or share it on your Instagram stories. Tag myself, tag my guest, so that we can personally thank you. This is a lamb fam, you guys. We're not in this alone. We're creating this ripple effect together.